So Solomon, last week we studied him building the temple, right? This week we study him building his own house. I think I said last week how sometimes it can be hard for us to know and see and even uh, come to any deeper understanding of what in the world passages like this have to do with anything. Solomon built his own house. Took him a long time. Great. Can we move on? But there is a lot for us to learn here. There is one particular thing I want us to focus on, and it, and it ties in quite closely with what we saw last week of the priority that Solomon had on building the house of God, the priority that Solomon had on worship of the one true God. What we see this week is an example of something that is relegated from first place to second place. It's relegated. Now about the only time we use the word relegated today is soccer teams in Europe that drop from one ranking to the next, right? You guys are all like, yeah, we, we, we watch soccer. Yeah, okay, I got some people who are tracking with me. No longer in the top league, they have to play, they have been relegated to the league below because they didn't do well enough last year. So this is the way that we use the word relegated. Solomon relegated the building of his own house to a lower place compared to the building of the temple. Solomon was building his own house 13 years. Now, you remember last week I got confused about how long it took him to build the temple, right? Not making that mistake this time. Got it written down right here. 13 years. But part of the reason that I was confused is because I, I wanted to say 13 last week. That's why I was like, wasn't it 13 or 14 on the temple? No, the temple he got done in seven years, right? After Solomon built the temple, he built his own house. He spent 13 years on it. Now, this, this kind of passage uh, can be very confusing for us to read because you have to have a very good imagination to picture all of the things that are being described. Right? First of all, we don't know what a cubit is. A cubit is about from your elbow to your finger. 
So like 18 inches. Okay, so a foot and a half, an easy way to estimate. So if something is 100 cubits long, how many feet is that? Yeah. Not quite. 150. Yeah, easy mistake to make. 150 feet, which is how many yards? Can we do that? Yeah. No. Got the first one right, the second one wrong. Ooh, he's got a good question. You have to come up here and ask it in the, in the microphone. Come on. How many, first you have to tell us how many yards it is. Remove a zero. 50 feet. 50 yards, that's right. Okay, now ask your question. Ask your question. So if Solomon spent more time building his house than the temple, does that mean that he had, that he put more things in his house and he made it better than the temple, or he was just preoccupied with the temple so that he couldn't build his house? It's a perfect question. That's why I'm talking about what this place looks like. Because we have to, we have to compare it to the temple, right? To answer that question. We've got to compare it to the temple. Now, A 50-yard-long 50, 50 building is a big building, right? It's a big building. Um, as a matter of fact, which was bigger, this, this house or the temple? Does anybody remember how, how big the temple was? Nobody remembers. Do I remember? 60. I think I remember. Who said that? 60. 60 cubits long as opposed to 100 cubits. So, so Solomon's house is bigger, longer than the temple, right? It's compared to the temple at one, at one point. Verse 12, speaking of, at the very end, a row of cedar beams, even as the inner court of the house of the Lord and the porch of the house. So it's compared here. But if we read this, we read that uh, it's, it's bigger, and that it took almost twice as long to build, uh, we can think, yeah, I mean, it's, he was really focused on that. I would say, actually, that your second, your second idea is the right one which is that he was, it took so long because he was more focused on 
other things. And when we asked last week what the temple looked like, there were a lot of words that you could come up with. Majestic and, and glorious and beautiful and golden, right? And big would count here, right? Huge, even, would be a good descriptor. And there's a couple of others. Um, it is definitely... Uh, it is definitely beautiful. I would say the difference, the, the main difference in picturing this that you, have to, that you have to think about is there's no mention of gold here. Instead, all of the talk is about wood. Now, which would you rather eat in? Let's just go with sitting down and having a meal. A room that had beautiful wooden paneling or a room that had beautiful wooden paneling that was all entirely covered with gold? I think it'd be pretty cool to see a room with wooden paneling all covered in gold. But personally, I'd go for wood to, to sit down and eat. It's a lot warmer. Warmer is the word that I would describe for the house that Solomon built for himself. It is truly an amazing house. And it's part of, part of what we need to uh, recognize here is that some of the difficulty we have in understanding exactly what this looks like comes from the fact that the translators have difficulty with some of the words and what exactly they mean. And so, depending on how they've translated it, can uh, give you a very different picture in your mind of what exactly this would look like. But one of the things I want you to see here is that actually this is a, uh, more like a complex it's a complex. Um, we've got this building that is a hundred cubits and its width 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. Okay? And this is one building. And then in verse 6, then he made the hall of pillars, its length was 50 cubits, and its width 30 cubits. And a porch was in front of them, and pillars and a threshold in front of them. The hall of pillars is, given its placement, almost certainly a separate building that leads, that, that you approach the first building through. Okay, and then in that hall was where he would do his, his judging. And it was paneled with cedar from floor to floor. His house 
where he was to live is another building. His house where he was to live, the other court inward from the hall, was of the same workmanship. He also made a house like this hall for Pharaoh's daughter, whom Solomon had married. So somewhere in this complex, you have living buildings, one for him and one for his wife, Pharaoh's daughter. When we read later on of Solomon uh, keeping armor in this house, we're talking about the first one, the big one that's three stories tall that has the, what this says is 45 pillars paneled with cedar above, verse 3, above the side chambers which were on the 45 pillars, 15 in each row. One commentary that I was looking at said they think that that's a mistranslation and that it's actually uh, the pillars would have been way more than 15 and that the, I mean, way more than 45 and that the side chambers are what there are 45 of, 15 on each story. So you're dealing with a three-story building with chambers that open inward towards each other that you could, from the inside, see up into all of these rooms. That gives you a, a picture, right, for what this one building would look like. Well, what I want us to see here is the priority that Solomon had is indicated by the priority that we get in the text. The temple comes first in the text. The amount of time spent describing it is way, way many, many more verses than we get describing his house. Right? And Part of the reason that the house is even described is to compare it to the temple. It is a remarkable house. It is big. It is well made. It was very expensive for him to make. But he worked first on the temple. Then when it came time to build his own house, it was okay for it to take a while longer. <laughs> his priority can be seen when you read chapter 6 and then into chapter 7 where we are together or back to back as we have. Solomon's actual priority as we saw last time was the temple. 
it's very easy for us to focus on the wrong thing and make it the priority. It's very easy for us to lift up one thing and to get obsessed with it and to make it the most important thing. Was it good for Solomon to build a house for himself? Yes, certainly was. Was it important? Yes, absolutely. And in many ways, Solomon modeled his house on the temple. The way that the beams worked, the way that it was designed, follows some similar patterns. But Solomon was focused, first and foremost, on the temple. Now, if we are to learn from Solomon here, one of the things that I want us to learn is to make the kingdom of God and the worship of God a priority over other things that are actually quite important in our lives. If you think of the temple and the house, you realize that you're dealing with physical buildings in both cases, right? You bring that forward like we saw last week and realize that the temple is spiritual. That the temple is a place where God dwelt among his people and that today we are the temple. You could think of the equivalent of the house being your family. If the temple... Equivalent is the church made up of the people, not of the building, right? Then the equivalent of Solomon's house is our family. We are to model our families on the family of God the same way that Solomon modeled his house on the temple in many ways. You say, how can you model our families on the family of God? Are are you sure it doesn't go the other way, Pastor? Isn't the family the fundamental unit of society? Isn't anything else that's called a family modeled on that? I would say yes, except for the thing that that is modeled on. Because the family is not the fundamental unit of society when you go up into thinking of God. 
when God created Adam and Eve, he made the first family, right? And it was a good thing. It was a beautiful thing. And it was fundamental for society on the earth. But where did it come from? Did fatherhood only exist after Adam and Eve had their first child? No. Fatherhood existed in, on the earth, in earthly families at that point, right? But Adam was only a father because God was father first. And so family is modeled off of something that is higher, not something earthly, but something spiritual, something that comes from God. And when we say, therefore, that the family is to be modeled on the family of God, we're recognizing something that has been true from the beginning. God's family existed prior to Adam and Eve having their first child. And they were to have children and raise them. Adam was to be a father the same way that God was a father. So this is very important. I think we see this exact thing with Solomon's priorities. His priority being first on the temple, in the worship of God, and second on himself and his family. A number of years ago, I was at uh, conference for work, and it was called CBA, and it's the uh, used to be that's its official name. It, it used to be stand for something, Christian Booksellers Association, and of course before that it stood for Christian Bible Sellers Association, if I remember right. But they had to change it to CBA because there was almost no books there. It was all Christian gum and Christian mints and Christian video games and Christian everything you could possibly think of. Uh, you know, and this room is is big. It might hold two or three of the exhibits that were there, of the hundreds of exhibits. We're in a large convention hall. Solomon's house could have fit in there many times. The, uh, the larger companies that were there would uh, spend over $100,000 on their exhibits, just on constructing them. You'd have meeting rooms inside these exhibits. You could have 
meetings and sign contracts with authors maybe. And um, we're talking about an impressive amount of money and in an impressive place and with a lot of very important people there. Okay? And it was pretty disgusting. Because it was actually just clearly not about Jesus, even though that was ostensibly the whole reason that everybody was there was to promote Christianity, to move the gospel forward in, in, in one way or another, right? But actually, what were they there for? Money. Money, 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 money. And so I... I had been to this conference a few times, and it was always the same. It was always pretty remarkable showing up. You think you know, oh, this is, this is going to be bad. I just got to steal myself for this. It's going to be bad. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow, it's way worse than I remembered. Okay, I forgot. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's so, it's so blatantly, self-evidently, has nothing to do with Jesus Christ, has nothing to do with Christianity, but it's so easy to to switch your priorities, isn't it? Even while you think you're doing something good. So when I walked in one year, and there was, in the main entry, oh, so like the main entry aisle would have been, uh, you know, from here to the wall. It's a big, wide open thing, with, opening up into this humongous room with many uh, exhibits that you could spend days wandering around seeing. and Right there, as you walked in, so like, you know, right where this row of chairs, this group of chairs is, was parked a brand new uh, Lincoln Escalade. It was one of the first years that the Escalade had come out. And you remember the Escalade, right? Like the, it was the nicest, sweetest SUV of the time. And uh, really leaning into, that was before the phrase leaning into had been lent into so much, but really leaning into the luxury. They had probably paid a pretty penny to be uh, the main cars in the preview of the latest Matrix movie around that time. And realizing that Americans would pay way more for a luxury SUV than they ever would for a luxury sedan, they cost a lot. And all over this car were magnets, in and out, all over it. Little, little magnets about this size, about this shape. You see this? What do you think that shape would be? Yeah, what do you think? A what? A stall? No, not, not quite. I can't get my hands in exactly the right shape. Yeah. A trinity sign? No. It was, it was a tree. It was a Christmas tree. Little green Christmas tree magnets. Tons and tons of them all over. And every single one of them said... Reason for the season. 
And if you could guess how many magnets were on that Lincoln Escalade, you could win it. It's pretty awesome, huh? I want a brand new Lincoln Escalade. That sounds awesome. Who, what, what's the reason for the season? Jesus is the reason for the season, right? You've all heard this, you've all said this, right? Which means that probably a Lincoln Escalade is not the reason for the season. I mean, just guessing. They can't both be the reason. Do you think that their goal and intention in setting up that display and that, and that uh, prize was to convince you that a Lincoln Escalade was the reason for the season? Of course not. Never would have crossed their mind, right? It's the Cadillac Escalade or the Lincoln Navigator. Oh. Well, yeah, of course, it was a Cadillac. It was an Escalade. I keep saying Lincoln. <laughs> that wasn't the point. The point wasn't to convince you that the Escalade was the thing, right? That's absurd. They don't need to convince you that that's the thing. We all already know that's the thing. Here's the thing. Proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. It's easy to say my priority is Jesus at Christmas, right? Very easy to say. But when you wake up Christmas morning and there's presents under the tree, what are you thinking about? What is your priority? What is the most important thing to you at that moment? For all you kids, I'm talking to you. Everyone who has passed the age of probably 18 at, at, at the most has probably gotten to the point where they're like, yeah, I mean, gifts are nice, but it's like, I've come to realize there are more important things and, and I'm, I'm never going to get the perfect gift. Like you've, you've been disillusioned enough times, even when you did get the perfect gift and it didn't last for very long, right? Or the number of years that you never got the perfect gift or you realize that the perfect gift is really just out of reach of anybody and that you're never going to get the perfect gift. So there are other things that become more important to you than the gifts under the tree, Right? 
like your family. Family is the reason for the season, right? Is family the reason for the season? Family is no more the reason for the season than an Escalade. Why do we have holidays? What is the uh, original of holiday? Yeah? Doesn't it mean holy day? It does indeed. It means holy day. Now I want you to think for a minute about what a holy day would be. What would a holy day be? Of course, holiday has come to encompass much more than holy days, right? We, we call the 4th of July a holiday, but we never would have called the 4th of July a holy day. And we call uh, the summer vacation from school the summer holidays. So, so the word holiday has grown in its meaning, but originally it did indeed mean holy day. And there were certain holy days. And what would you do on a holy day? Yeah. You might fast. Yeah, what else? You already answered too many questions. And asked one. Judah, I see that hand. What else would you do on a holy day? <laughs> He's looking behind him. <laughs> What else would you do on a holy day? Yeah. Feast. Sure. You might fast or you might feast. Those might both happen. But you guys are missing, the kids are missing the most obvious so far. What else would you do on a holy day? Yeah. Praise God. That's right. You would go to worship with God's people. Because it was a day that was set apart and holy. I actually looked up the etymology of holiday just to make sure I wasn't, you know, completely off base. And I, you know, etym online or something, some silly uh, website. You know, what it, you know what it said about holy days, the original meaning, the, the original uh, that holiday came from? It said that they were set apart from normal work and leisure. They were set apart from normal work and leisure. Now we've come to understand that holidays are meant to be for our leisure, right? Holidays are meant to be for our leisure. Now, part of the reason for this is because, as I said, the word 
holiday has grown to be those times that are set apart for leisure, for time with your family. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I want you to realize is that we have lost in the process the meaning of the word holy day. Holy day. When we changed to having holidays, and holiday meant any day that you didn't have to go to work, we lost the understanding of the priority on certain days of setting them apart for the purpose of worshiping God. Setting them apart. The temple was holy. Solomon's house was not. The temple was set apart. I don't think that you would call Solomon's house common. But what happened there was not the worship. What happened there was his kingly duties of judgment, his practical duties of living and eating. But there was something that was of greater priority and that was set apart and special. And that was the temple. And even though Solomon spent much more time in his house than in the temple, as we go through the rest of the book of 1 Kings, you'll see Solomon could not have been said to not care about the temple. When you think of the lavish celebration of a, of a holiday in the, in the truest sense of the word, the holy day of dedication of the temple and the, the sacrifices that took place, thousands of sacrifices, you, you see, oh, they, they didn't have quite that kind of celebration for the opening of his house. <laughs> One was obviously greater priority than the other. This is why I say the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding for what you care about, what you prioritize, what you see Christmas as being about. Your family traditions are important. The same way that Solomon's house is important. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful house that he built. It's beautiful to have family traditions. Family is important. Just the same as seeing that Adam and Eve having each other and being family and understanding what that means for society as a whole is absolutely essential. It's incredibly important. But isn't it the case 
that Adam decided that family was more important than obedience to God. When Eve gave him the fruit and she had eaten. And he thought, God or my family? He chose family, didn't he? He chose his wife Eve. He chose peace with her rather than peace with God. The proof is in the pudding, isn't it? What's most important? Your family traditions should be subordinate to the worship of Jesus Christ on a day when Christians have set apart the day for the celebration of the coming of Christ. Should you have family traditions? Absolutely. Should they be sweet and joyful? Yes, because we're celebrating, right? Think about Solomon. The proof was in the pudding. Not in the fact that he built a temple and then never built a house for himself. (laughs) Right? The command is not, therefore, never have a house. Paul would have had to say, nobody should ever get married which for a long time, much of the church had as the ideal. Only the poor, pathetic, weak people got married. No. Family is good. It is good that he built a house. It's not a problem that it was a beautiful house. So beautiful that they called it the Forest of Lebanon. The House of the Forest had had so many pillars covered in beautiful wood. Looks like a forest. I hope your family traditions are that sweet, that beautiful, that awesome. I also hope that they don't take priority over worship of God. Now, this might feel fairly heavy-handed with regard to Christmas, but I think that you'll see that what I'm saying is exactly what you already think if you're here. Because how does the world view the weekend? It's a day set apart, right? The two days set apart from work to leisure, doing whatever you want, and particularly making sure that you spend time with family. But here you all are at church. Why? Couldn't you have better conversations with each other 
if you slept in, got up and ate a nice, slow breakfast with each other? You don't get a chance to do that any other day. Saturday, of course, is taken up with catching up on housework and You get what I'm saying, right? We can't become worldly when it comes to priorities. We can't become worldly when it comes to prioritizing worship of God and love of family. It's easy to say that your priority is family over work, right? But those who have to go to the office for 40 hours a week minimum know that it's a lot easier to say it than it is to actually do it. Priorities are easy to talk about, easy to say one thing, but they're a lot harder to actually keep straight. It's easy to say that you're only working that many hours to provide for your family. But are you? Is that actually what's driving you to spend so much time on work? So here... I was reading Matthew Henry on this passage. He has this great quote thinking about priorities. Okay? And here he faults Solomon for his priorities. He says about the house that he built for his wife the daughter of Pharaoh, this no doubt was near adjoining to his own palace. Yet perhaps if it had been as near as it ought to have been, Solomon would not have multiplied wives as he did. That's an interesting observation, isn't it? He made a separate house for her. Perhaps they should have had one house. Did he do it because he loved her? Is that why he was building her a house? Undoubtedly. Or maybe doubtedly. Seeing what the end result was, right? The proof is in the pudding. So I want you to think about this. Here we are. It's Sunday. What should you do? You should go to church because the proof is in the pudding. What's the first priority in your life? Family or God? God has to be. But it's work, isn't it? Now fast forward to next year when Christmas is on Sunday. I remember the last time this happened. Do you know how many churches canceled their services the last time Christmas was on a Sunday? 
I bet you it was a majority. And I, th I think that that was probably the first time, if it, if it did cross over into majority, I'll bet you that was the first time ever in this country that that was the case. That Christmas being on a Sunday led to churches being closed. It's a holy day. The reason we have a Christmas vacation is because there is a day set apart in there for the worship of God. Not that there's not a million ways to make it sound very great and holy to cancel your Christmas service. Right? Given the busyness of people and how distracted they get, and how easy it is to lose focus on what's important at this time of year. Remembering that Jesus is the reason for the season. We encourage you to go and spend time with your family. Proof is in the pudding, isn't it? Everybody wants to sleep in on Christmas Day. Right? I, and hey, listen, I did not go and look up what the wording was of those messages that I read the last time Christmas was on a Sunday, but that's what it was. Those were the things that were said, and many more besides, that, that you ought to be taking this special day and using it for the glory of God by, and then, you know, any number of other things, serving others and so forth. But what was everybody actually doing? They were sleeping in and getting up and having a nice breakfast with each other. If that's what we think of holy days and our priorities are that family is first, right? Then what's our problem? Why are we coming to church Sunday in general? It's because we realize family should not be first. So now, I have an announcement. We have a Christmas Eve service. We don't even have a Christmas service. We don't ask you to come at midnight to a midnight mass. But could you set apart an hour and a half, including travel for most of you, for, for worship on the holy day? To gather with God's people, remembering that he gave us his son. And that is actually the reason why we have a Christmas season. And to worship him. It will be a sweet, sweet thing to worship together here. 6.30, Christmas Eve. And you say, but my family traditions. The proof is in the pudding, isn't it? Should we move it? to midnight.
we could move it to midnight. Or we could have a Christmas morn service. But to do away with anything, with no gathering of God's people and God's family, would be truly Truly sad, wouldn't it? To prioritize everything else as needing to fit into the calendar before we fit that in, that would be truly, truly sad. Let's learn from Solomon positively about the temple and negatively, maybe, about the house. House for his wife. Yes. It's easy to get our priorities wrong. Let's worship him in spirit and in truth. Yeah, the presents, they dull and fade. And no, the family, time doesn't dull and fade, it only grows more burnished, right? It's like gold and, and it runs through your fingers faster and faster as the years go by. But this is why we remember that first in our lives is God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your name is holy. And we set apart today to be holy unto you. Please forgive us for the many ways that we change our priorities away from you into other things, even good things, like our families and our houses. Father, we pray that you would help us to have our hearts and our minds focused on you. As Christmas comes, that we would not be seduced to thinking about gifts or money or comfort or ease or food or sports or family as being the most important thing. Help us to have you first and foremost in our hearts at this time that we have set apart to remember the great and glorious gift that you gave in sending your only begotten Son. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.